Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Meta Portal podcast. I'm Dark Forest Capital, and I'm joined as ever by my good friend AG to talk all things Metaverse. It's been a few weeks since our last episode aired, but hopefully we'll make it worth the wait. Um, we're joined today by a special guest, Kieran Warwick from Illuvium. We recently added the ILV V token to the Metaverse index, um, and it's become one of the largest allocations at about 17%. So it's a great time to talk to Kieran as one of the co-founders of Illuvium find out a little bit more about the team, the community, what they've got planned, and a bit more about the project itself. So welcome, Kieran. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's it's awesome to be here. I love what you guys are doing. I think it's an awesome initiative to have uh, a single token that that is holding all of these uh, different metaverse projects that, that are coming out. And we're, you know, super thankful and, and very excited to, to be one of those tokens that, that you guys have have uh, put a lot of weight into. So it's, yeah, it's awesome to be here. Great stuff. Yeah, we're definitely excited to, to add you in and have you on board. Um, so I think we'll start off nice and easy and uh, just ask you if you could give a little bit of an intro about your background and, and how you ended up in crypto in the first place. Sure. So it all started for me back in early 2016. Uh, our brother, Kane Warwick, who is the co-founder, uh, the co-founder, the founder of Synthetics. Uh, we basically started a business which was the first over-the-counter crypto exchange. And so essentially what that meant was that people could walk into bricks and mortar stores in, in around uh, all of the, the capital cities in, in Australia and um, hand over cash for cryptocurrency. And uh, and that gave me the exposure to Bitcoin. And uh, naturally, I'm a little bit of a risk taker. And so I started looking into things like Ethereum and uh, a couple of other alt, alt tokens uh, at that stage. And I got pretty heavily involved and I was quite addicted to, to doing day trading of, of all these different altcoins. And uh, things didn't actually work out too well for me back in 2016. I got a little bit burnt. And, uh, and so I ended up actually exiting and, and uh, going in, uh, and launching another app business in, in the food industry. And I did that for a few years. And it wasn't until synthetics really started taking off in, uh, I guess, the, the, the start of DeFi summer last year and Kane reached out to me and he said look you know I, I know you burnt I know you don't like it and whatever but this is a huge opportunity at least dip your toe back in the water into investing and you know if you like it you know maybe you'll see something and and we can talk about you launching your own project and uh from there I basically I, I went you know, head first, I, I started in investing. I started doing a, a lot of yield farming and I came across the game Axie Infinity, which I know that, that you guys are, are heavily invested in as well, which I think is, uh, you know, a, a really good move on, on your part. And, uh, but for me, I thought, you know, they, they're onto something huge here in terms of this, play to earn um, model which which they were developing at the time and 
it, it just made sense to me, you know, the, the custody of, of assets in game being actually, you know, owned by the player and verifiable on the chain was just a, a it was a game changer for me. And uh, so from there, I started researching, okay, what other games are out there? I, I wasn't too impressed with the, the graphics and, and the, the substance that, that was in Axie. And so I started looking and, and seeing, okay, there must be other games out there. And, you know, came across the, uh, games like Decentraland and the Sandbox and, and stuff like that. But again, nothing was really screaming out AAA quality to me, which were basically all the games that I've played in my life. I, I'm not so much a, an indie gamer. I'm, I'm definitely more into the, the mainstream titles. And so I thought, you know, what would happen if, if we launched all of these amazingly uh, amazing new mechanisms, but we coupled it with a AAA game? And, uh, and so then, yeah, I, I reached out to my other brother, Aaron, who's the co-founder as well and uh, the, the game designer. And he's got a really, really deep background in game design and, and computer engineering and programming. And so, yeah, it just made sense to, um, to uh, create a, the, the first AAA game on blockchain. Awesome. Yeah, that's a very comprehensive overview. Thanks for that. Um, Sorry I'm, for going on there. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm interested, um, yeah, because I didn't know the bit about the uh, like the cash for crypto stuff that you did in, in the past. That's uh, quite an interesting way into it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in like the idea of Alluvium itself, almost like the story, uh, the fact that you you know you crash land on this planet. Where did where did that come from? Was that between yourself and Aaron that you came up with that? Uh, so I basically, <laughs> I basically uh, said what I believe the the storyline should should be tied to, and you know I, I put in my opinion, but it's very much uh, Aaron's work and and he had a few uh, a few things that he drew inspiration from he he'd actually written uh, a book that he's taken a bunch of the storyline out of but yeah it was it was well and truly Aaron's vision in in terms of the the storyline and uh yeah we just went at it over a a period of about three to four months and obviously we're, we're still building on it now but but yeah we just started uh, developing that that the lore and the the storyline and the yeah it's it's it obviously not all of it has been uncovered and and there's a lot of secrets that you will um figure out as you go along playing the the rpg style of the game but uh but yeah Okay, got it. Um, I've got to ask because I'm the eldest of three brothers. What's it like, like working with one of your brothers and and having all three of you in the same space? It's <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So the the thing about Aaron and I, uh, if if it was Kane and I working in the same business or DAO or anything, then there would be a hell of a lot more butting of heads. Where we're much more similar in, in the sense that we're very, you know, business and, and finance and operationally uh, motivated. Whereas 
Aaron is uh, is definitely more the technical type, and you know, especially when it comes to like the storyline, but but also assisting with like coding and, and stuff like that. So it actually makes a, a a really good team because the my strengths, uh, his weaknesses, and uh, vice versa. So it's it's quite a good partnership we've got. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think you can see it coming through. I think in the way that you know you guys have been running flat out with this um, for a while now, it seems to be uh, yeah that, that kind of relationship shines through. I think. So if we talk a bit more broadly about the metaverse, um, Ag and myself have both or are still coming up with like definitions for it. I think it changes <coughs> month to month, really, um, with the way that the space changes. But I'm interested in how you see the metaverse. Like, do you have a definition for it? How do you think about it? I think, you know, that there's almost like there's there's multiple metaverses that that are that are out there, and it it, it just depends on you know the the different narrative and and where it's coming from. But for me, I I do see it as an overall vision of interoperable games that are all working together and in some way can be composable to each other. I, I think, it, you know, there's, there's going to be a period of, of a ton of games that, that look to capitalise on the success of, of what Axie is, has been doing. And so we're going to see a, a flood of these games come through in the next probably six to 12 months, I would say. And then we're going to see the, there's going to be these larger scale projects that have bigger teams, you know, more expert engineers and, and game designers and, and stuff like that. And those are going to be the games that I think have the, the longevity that we're looking for. And so, yeah, I, I, I see, I see this world being built and, I just have an idea of players being able to, to hold assets in one game, use them in another, mine them in another, and you know, you, you sell them on all these different platforms. And I just think it's it's this because it's so many of these games are, are coming out decentralized, it just makes sense for us to all be be working together to, to this new vision. Okay. So based on that, and you mentioned the term interoperability, is that where you see Illuvium as part of the metaverse, like enabling that interoperability? Yeah, so we, we had a chat with uh, Gala Games the other day uh, who are a, a large-scale developer and um, they're looking at launching a, a game called uh, Spider Tank. And, and I was having a chat with them and, I, and we're just going through the different synergies and whatever and, and what would be possible. And Mozart is very similar to, to the illustrations that they were showing me of these different spider tanks. And I said, what if we reskin Mozart? Would you be keen on allowing people to, to play Mozart in, in the game Spider Tank? And, you know, they're all about this, this metaverse and interoperability as well. And so they were like, yeah, 100%. And, and then vice versa, we said, look, we are they, so they go about it a little bit differently in that they sell NFTs prior to to the game launching, so so people can can use those characters. Whereas we 
don't do that and, and it's all about catching them when uh, when they become available but I said look you know we're not going to be able to sell it prior but certainly we will put our version of your tank in the game and it will uh, hopefully if if we can come to agreement it will uh, it'll be used in in both games and so yeah we're we're already working on these opportunities now yeah that's very cool i think we're as as we like delved into all the projects uh, within the metaverse index we started to see all of these opportunities that hadn't been taken yet but definitely can be um and it's really nice how like obviously the, the index sort of brings brings all these communities together and, and we're going to have the, these relationships with the, the different teams and projects. So it's great to hear you say that because that's exactly what we think this space can can like enable and really, yeah, I think it's going to be really good for, for that sort of stuff. Um, you mentioned there one of the characters that you've, you've got and we're starting to see like lots of um, whether it's like animated or still shots of uh, the characters, the gameplay even, um, and they're coming out quite thick and fast. Mm-hmm. How is how's things going with the game in the background? Like you, I think you've got a target of mid Q four um, to launch yeah. at the moment. Is that still on target? Well, it's it's getting close. To be to be completely honest, it's it's getting very close to moving into. Q1 we're not we're not at that stage yet and and obviously you know anything can can happen but we're probably tracking uh for for early gen I, w- I would say at at the moment and I would I would say if if everything goes smoothly and with there's there's no you know there's no hitches or anything like that then yes we're we're still on target but I think we need to be a little bit more realistic, and and um, and that is probably looking like yeah, early early next year. Okay, yeah, um, I think we you can be forgiven for that, <clears throat> given the ambition of the project and and the fact that uh, you're looking at the the land game, which we'll probably touch on a bit later as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be to be getting on with. So we've we've seen these characters, we've seen a bit of the like the teasers of how the the battle arena might look. Um, and we talked earlier about like where the idea for the story came from. You said there's some things in the background. I'm just interested in like, do do you think that when you look beyond the graphics, there's going to be a ton of like fun stuff that people don't even know about yet that are going to keep them, you know, interested in playing the game? Um, I, look, we're we're very transparent with the community, and you you can see that in the this the marketing style that we're going with and and showing leaks and and all that kind of stuff i mean if if you're so so to answer it simply no in in that you know we've come out and said this is what we're going to build you know um this is in in terms of you know this is what the gameplay is going to be like this is what the overworld is going to be like this is you know the different modes that we have all of that it's not like we're we're holding on to this you know massive secret Apart from like, it, it, it could be seen as like a secret, I guess, in that we don't talk about it very often, but there's going to be little things like a jetpack that you can craft and and uh, use to fly around and get into tougher areas of, of the, the regions. Um, there's going to be things like mag boots that the character can, can wear 
which again will assist with with different movement options. And so little things like that, but again, you know, you, you can definitely find out that information. We've, we've come out with it and, and said that that's going to be a part of the game. And so I guess, yeah, not, not really. Um, but having said that we're always, you know, this land game was conceived less than two months ago or six weeks ago or whatever. So not saying that we we're not going to come up with new and exciting things to add into the game, but we're, we pretty much let people know straight away if we do. That's, that's great, Kieran. Uh, really looking forward to the game itself. I think there's a lot of cool stuff there and, and playing game, <laughs> looking to understand it first. Uh, but wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about um, your decision to sort of build on Immutable X and, and how you how you thought through that and, and some of the pros and cons. Um, yeah, so just from the perspective of building on a third-party blockchain, can you kind of touch on your decision-making process or how you thought about it? Just from the perspective of, I guess, if there is, if you need to scale and, and if you know there's significant demand, like what we've seen with Axie, scaling can become a problem and sort of relying on a third party there could be a downside or vulnerability. Um, so I'd love to, to get on that. Got it. Yep. So originally when the the decision to go with the third party is always a risky one, like potentially risky, you know? And so, um, but, I, but I guess equally as risky in not going with the third party, if, the system that you're you're looking to use is is already you know two years in development. All of the the pain points that they had actually gone through in in building their own crypto style of game in in um, Gods Unchained for the past three years had gone into building Immutable X, and so when we sat down with them and it was good, we had the luxury of, of them being in Sydney. And so we could actually, for, for I think the only time in the, in the entire DAO's existence, we had a face-to-face meeting with a, with a partner and we sat down and we said, look, you know, normally we would build a, a side chain or a layer two ourselves um, because Everything that we look to do, we we like to do internally, and we want to have you know control of it. So you know, for the exact reasons that that you're talking about, and and scaling issues and, and stuff like that. But after quite a few meetings with their engineering team, uh, Aaron was quite happy. I, I didn't get as involved in in that process as what Aaron did, but basically we went through all of the the different things that we required in in order for alluvium to be able to scale and it was just a matter of them going through and saying yeah we we have that we have this and uh or you know um it, we don't have it however it's looking like it's going to be q3 and then we made the decision to go okay you know, Q3 is is a little bit close, but, you know, if there's any sort of delays or whatever, then it, it's going to be fine anyway. And they they tick the boxes of no gas fees, sub-second transaction times, 
no minting fees. And so for us, it was like, do we go and, and build a, a team of uh, Solidity engineers that, you know, take 12 to, to 18 months to build this chain? Or do we focus on what we know best, which is building a, a game? And, uh, and so we decided, you know, after a lot of deliberation that it was the right decision to, to go with the third party in this case. However, you know, I'm not, and, and I never will, and, and we were very open and, and transparent with, uh, with Immutable about this as well. We're never going to rule out the, the possibility of us building our own layer two solution or, or side chain that, that works for us if we get to a point where we, we believe that scaling issues may arise and, uh, you know, we've already started looking into what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because before, before April, before Axie moved to Ronin, um, it was perhaps a bit unclear what the actual potential for user growth and adoption is right and then once axie moved um and we've seen one million daily active users within within three months like that that has to change sort of you're thinking a little bit just in terms of um oh shit like we actually might need to support one million daily users so uh it does make sense that uh that you're starting to kind of maybe rethink that decision a little bit or, or just consider the option um so in terms just, of yeah go ahead sorry just just touching on that as well so a lot of the the issues that axie had recently uh not so much to do with the the blockchain transactions and and the speed and, and timing of that because moving to ronan for them was was a very very smart move and um you know i applaud them for that however we built our back end using serverless architecture and so, yes, we're reliant on a third party in this case in uh, in AWS, but you know it's it's probably unlikely that anything is going to happen to AWS in in the in the near future. And so, for us, we can scale up to hundred million users without any problems whatsoever, no like server lag or or anything like that. And um, and so, yeah, just wanted to to point that out as well. No, that's that's great. Thanks for that caller. Um, can we chat a little bit about like the economics of the relationship with uh, Immutable X? I think they've uh, introduced a token recently. Um, I don't know if that token is going to act as a sort of gas on on their chain. And also, um, in in terms of your relationship, I think the Immutable X are getting one percent of all of the transaction fees. Does that like apply to all of, all of the transactions, only marketplace transactions? Uh, yeah, can you just give us a little bit of color on on the economics of that? Yeah, so that's that's to do with the marketplace transactions. So there's there's no one percent fee on like the the in game transactions that that are being applied. So that's how they basically pay for the the batching of the the gas fees is they they're taking you know they they're saying to these games that we're providing you this this platform for that we're looking for 1% and and we charge 
five uh, percent at the moment is is what it's set to, and and obviously the the our governance council can change that at, at any time, but uh, but yeah, it's five percent and uh, which we take, and then one percent that immutable take. Great. Um, I had a question about like execution and and timelines, but we sort of covered it uh, a little bit before. Um, in general, I think like you've been very ambitious with with your goals um, and and timelines, and and we've sort of seen that um, it it does take time to execute with with blockchain games. I think like Sandbox is one of the best examples, right? Like uh, the team is more than hundred people, um, and they've been building the game for for a while, but they keep pushing back the release. So it's actually, it was great for me to hear that you guys are starting to be a little bit more realistic in, in terms of the, the release and, and pushing it back into sort of Q1 potentially. I think in general, like my perception from, from outside, not ever having to build a, a game, um, is that there is just a lot of complexities and a lot of moving parts in building a blockchain game. And it just maybe is underappreciated in the beginning. So I certainly, <laughs> I think I certainly applaud you guys on being very ambitious. And I, I also guess uh, applaud you guys on coming around to this more realistic um, um, kind of understanding of, of, of the moving parts. Yeah, look, it, it was probably a little bit of an experience on my behalf. I'm a super impatient person and you know, it, it can be quite effective in getting a lot of stuff done. And I've, I've said this, <laughs> I, I, I've said this a lot of times, right, where essentially I, this way of, of saying, okay, guys, we're going we're gonna to deliver something in qu quite honestly and for, frankly a ridiculous time frame for, for a AAA title, especially when you're talking about we had to build from you know the 25 people to the 100 people that we have now so with with all of that factored in and us being a, a brand new project with you know people that i i still haven't personally met 90 percent of the people on my team as in you know face to face doing with, with all things considered saying you know we're, we're going to come out and, and do this in 12 months is is probably a little bit crazy however what it did do is get everyone in the mindset that we need to deliver this and and you know a lot of our token uh, a lot of our team members you know 95% of them unless they've joined recently they're they're token holders themselves and they got those as a bonus and you know there's probably not anything more motivating than than seeing our token price over the last 6 months go to where it's gone and so, you know, you've got this situation where the, the guy who's, who's, you know, your boss or whatever, leader, whatever you want to call it, we don't really um, come up with those, those titles in the DAO, but the person who hired you is saying, hey, you know, we're going to deliver this thing in 12 months and you're so heavily incentivized, you kind of just go, Jesus, I, I better just do it, right? And... I guess my point there is even though we don't, you know, even though we haven't come through and, and we're not going to launch in, in Q3 of this year, we've gotten so much more work done 
than we would have had I been like, okay, guys, you know, we've got two years to deliver this game. And even that's going to be special because most AAA games take three years to build. You know, even Axie, they were building their game for, for a two, three-year period. And so I think that, yes, it was a crazy thing to, to come out with, but it's it's really forced our team to go next level and, and, and work really, really hard. Yeah, I just want to jump in on that really quick Kieran um there's a couple of things you said that were have like stuck out to me um in terms of the way that you've scaled so quickly and you've put these ambitious deadlines on on the project I'm just wondering if the learning that you've had from like um obviously your brother Kane at Synthetics and how to like manage a DAO um and you talked about how uh, you know people within the DAO itself you don't really have the titles like you know your boss or leader or whatever mm-hmm. like how have you have you had any learning that you've applied that have helped you scale rapidly and, and keep you on track or how how do you how have you approached yeah. it basically so i mean it, look it's it's a very similar situation to incentivizing your staff in in a centralized business with stock options or you know some in any other incentive right and and so it's it's not a new thing that, that we came up with. It's just, uh, you know, and I can use my last startup as, as an example. You know, everyone, we, we gave out probably 25% of the, the stock to our team members. And the difference is you're not on a publicly traded market, right? It's it's a startup where it's like, if we get an exit one day in five years, your $100,000 worth of, um, you know, paper uh, stock will will go for $10 million. And there's there's not really anything along the way, apart from if you, you know, you do your, your series A and that's at a higher valuation, then you do series B and that's at a, a little bit higher, but it still is, not real yet, right? Like it's it's not actual money where, where you can see that that's how much it's worth. And, and so there's much less motivation in a centralized situation where, where you're in a startup. Whereas with us, these guys were literally going, okay, well, they gave me these tokens at a $40 price and now they're at a hundred. And then the next month it's at 180 and oh my God, now it's at 400 that motivation where you're like doubling your your salary like every month has just created this awesome environment where everyone is like well i just can't not, like i'm i'm so happy to work that it doesn't even seem like work if that makes sense yeah that's super interesting to me because it sounds like for all of the discussions that we have in in all of the DAOs across crypto and um, talks about like human coordination and decentralized orgs actually it just boils down to if you can bring the core team along with like a a really decent whack of um, upside that sounds like what you're saying has been like the massive motivator to, to actually get this thing moving forward yes yeah absolutely and 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 again you know it's 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 not something new. It's it's just something that I'd learned probably from Kane back when I started. You know, we we start we had our first startup like 12, 13, 14 years ago or whatever. And we we always 
when we created a business, we would always bring on team members that had uh, equity in, in that business. And unfortunately, in those prior businesses, we, we just didn't have the upside that we did in, in here. But uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely worked out for us. And, and I would implore any other tokens that that uh, or projects that are looking to launch whether whether or not you're you're in nft gaming or not it, it applies across the board that if you incentivize and, and and the other thing is well is with with salaries you know when when people were first coming on i was literally saying to them what do you need in order to go next level here like you tell me what you want to be paid and so we were very very liberal we're, we're very you know fair to everyone and uh, and so yeah, it's it's just it's worked out super well. Yeah, and it's it's great that you guys uh, sort of set it up from the beginning, right? I think like like you said, you guys used a lot of the learnings from your previous business experience as well as um, Kane's experience and at synthetics, and it's like it's visible, right? Like when we go and and we look at sort of your documents and how you talk about governance and the council and and your Discord, it just it's very clear that there's a really good structure there and it's been there from the beginning. So uh, it's great to see. Um, just want to, I guess, again, jump to a slightly different topic and uh, talk about the land game. Um, obviously, like you said, that that's something that's relatively new. I think I first heard about it maybe three weeks ago. Um, so, and and as far as I understand, there's like, always developments um on on the land game so could you give us like the latest summary of um where the land game is at and and sort of what the status is yeah so we it actually hasn't gone through governance yet we're literally as we speak we're, we're merging it i i think i just missed pedro but um he's usually the one that that will do the the merger of um and which which essentially puts it to a vote, and because that hasn't been done, we don't want to put any resources onto the actual building of the land game until that that process is approved. So, but in terms of the design, I'm I'm happy to go through what is the the proposed design and and how the mechanics of of the land work if if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, that that would be great. Cool. So yeah, so I mean, from the outset, we we knew that we had to sell land. It was, it was just too big of an opportunity. It it fits in with the whole metaverse narrative, and and it really makes sense. But for us, we needed to. We only do things if there's a reason to, and if there's a use case that we think ultimately is going to be fun to play. Not so much, you know. Uh, you'll obviously be able to earn out of this game but fundamentally we'll only do things if we believe it's it's going to create entertainment and and be fun and so we have decided to sell a hundred thousand land plots and essentially create a mini game that's interoperable with the main game and it's basically like a, a city builder game and so there are i believe it's it's obviously continually uh, being updated and, and changing, but I believe there's 26 types of uh, buildings that, that you can build. And they range from like different 
they've got all all crazy sci-fi names. I don't even try and pretend to to remember them all. Uh, but you know, Aaron went to town on that, and and essentially what you're doing is you're building up your land plot to mine resources from the core, and uh, and then basically process those. And then you have the ability to process them using the, the factories and, and the buildings that, that you actually built. And, uh, and then you have the ability to sell those resources to the main game. And how that sort of connects is when you think about all of the in-game transactions, things like travel fees, shard curing, enhancements, skins, all, all of those things require different types of resources and what you're essentially able to do as a landowner and the percentages of this have not been decided yet. So for, for the ease of this example, let's just go with 10%. So essentially 10% of the, the resources required for a shard or traveling or, or whatever, come from these land resources. And so what that means is, and, and that, so it, I think it'll be around about 10%, but that could change at, you know, at any time by, by our council and it could go up to 100%, it could go down to 0%. If, if the council's like, this land game is, is out of control, we need to reduce it to zero because it's having a negative effect on the game, they can do that. We obviously don't think that's going to happen and, and, uh, and I'll explain why, but essentially the, the landowners then have the ability to either sell, sell their land, uh, sell their resources to the main game as soon as they get them and, uh, or they can hold their resources and pull them. And uh, what that will do is essentially in, increase in, in the event that they're holding it, the, the pricing of these in-game functions or decrease them if they're deciding to flood the market with all the resources that, that they've been uh, mining in the, in the mini game. And so you just get this really cool dynamic where game theory starts popping up. You, you can have these, these huge groups of, of uh, investors around the world that start uh, uh, binding together and saying like, let's not sell land, right? let's not sell resources right now so we can increase the price and get a premium or they can decide, no, screw that. I'm going to, you know, flood the market. And then you'll see, you know, a, a whole bunch of people going out and buying shards because they're really cheap. And uh, yeah, it just adds this really cool dynamic to what is usually a, a very boring part of most games. Yeah, so there's definitely like an economics element to it. And uh, I can see like landowner guilds, right? That the, the, they're yeah. trying to maximize. Uh, I just spoke to one actually. Oh, really? <laughs> they're they're going to set one up. They're, they're investors of ours. They're in the seed round. They said like, we're obviously going here. Like they're, they're going to spend like two and a half million dollars on land. And uh, they were like, but the problem with that is we can't just sit on it. Like, and I'm like, well, you can theoretically, you know, we're, we're only selling a hundred thousand plots of land. If we hit our target of, of you know, a hundred million players, inadvertently the land price is, is more than likely going to go up. However, you know, you're going to be leaving 
a ton of money on the table if you don't actually utilize the the resources on your land and they were like but <laughs> they're all looking around the room and they're like well are you gonna play are you gonna play and it was like no nah, we're we're gonna have to hire a, a bunch of people to go and basically become digital farmers on their land yeah that's like that's a definition of metaverse and the future of work like when we when we talk about it it's like definitely a part of it of um, all of these jobs coming up that uh, no one thought would would ever exist um so it 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 seems to me right like that um outside of just like resource collection and then selling resources to to the main game there are probably a bunch of other areas where the mini game, the land game can be connected to sort of the main game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess my question is like, how do you how do you prioritize between the land game um, and the main game, right? Like how do you say, okay, like we can build this awesome feature for the land game, right? With like maybe greater integration into the main game, but that might delay our release of of the main game. Like yeah, how, how do you how do you think about prioritization there? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a balancing act, but the biggest protection that we've built in is that we're siloing this mini game. In that the the only the only people that are can, like outside of the 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 management and and Aaron who's who's essentially designing it in terms of the the core teams who are like the engineers, the artists, and whatever they've already been siloed. And so we brought on a bunch of new resources um, this week, actually, they, they started. And uh, so <laughs> if the council's listening, you better approve this, this thing because we've already spent some cash. But, uh, but yeah, we, we've, we've made it so it's a brand new team that, that will be working on the mini game. So there shouldn't be any effect on the timeline of the main game. Obviously, you know, now that we have uh, a bunch more experience under under our belt, namely more me, we think that there are potential, you know, humps that, that might come up uh, along the way. And, and obviously, you know, it would be naive to think that just creating two teams, there's and, and because they're going to be connected, it, it would be silly to think that there's not going to be any potential issues that pop up, but we're doing our absolute best in order to ensure it's, it's not like we've got our team going, all right, half the day you work on Alluvium Zero, the other half you go back to Alluvium. It's it's very much, um, you know, segregated. And, uh, and apart from the two PMs that uh, are basically the bridge between what's required from alluvium and alluvium zero they are very much their own team got it um great look before we sort of move into to the next uh, to the next topic just really quick is there a timeline for for the land sale um just in case our listeners want to jump in and, and spend some cash do you have any sort of news on the timing of that I am reluctant to give timelines these days because uh, they either, you know, happen sooner or, or much later and, and whatever. But if I had to say, I would say it's going to be sometime in the next uh, six to eight weeks. 
All right, perfect. Thanks for that. Um, definitely not gonna hold you accountable there. Um, all right, cool. Um, just shifting to to the main game um, a little bit. Can you talk about the sort of technical requirements um, for the main game? Obviously, you are really focusing on graphics, the quality of gameplay. Um, does that ever transition to like a, a mobile game or and and then because I guess you're launching on on desktop, right? Like, does it have the same play to earn potential, right? Because if you if you look at the, the demographics and, and like mobile penetration um, in Asia relative to laptops and, and PCs, it, it's much higher. Um, yeah, so if you could give us a little bit of color on on that, that'd be great. Yeah, so from an art perspective, which is obviously a, a major, major part of our, you know, our, our USP. And so it's critical that we build this thing to scale and, and actually allow that, that same quality of, of asset to be transferable to mobile. And, uh, and so we basically, every single asset that we have in high poly, we've also done a, a low poly version as well. And so it'll be much easier once we decide to, to start building the mobile version, um, it, it'll be much easier to, to bring that across and it should make for a much quicker dev time. But it's obviously something that is, is definitely on the roadmap. Timing on it, again, it's sometime late next year that, that we're looking at, at having that out. Again, don't hold me to that because there's there's a lot involved in, in order to do that, and especially when it when it comes to you know working with the the different app stores, you know there's there's a bunch of, of stuff that you have to do in order to get around the fact that you know we are a cryptocurrency and and the issues that that, that comes with that, but you know it would be crazy for us to not be thinking about mobile and. One of the, the reasons why I'm so happy that we're releasing this mini game is because that's going to be a, uh, a mobile game as well. And so we, it's, it's, it's not Alluvium. So, you know, it's, it's, we're still going to have people who are like, I want to play uh, Alluvium, but at least it, it's a bit of a, a, a gap filler while, uh, while they wait for, for our migration to, to mobile. Okay, so a lot of lot of potential here by the sounds of it, and you've mentioned the the number of hundred million players is is kind of what you're aiming for at some point in the future. I'm keen to touch on uh, play to earn. Like we've we've mentioned the the play to earn dynamic a couple of times already. Um, you guys are members of the Blockchain Gaming Alliance, where you know you're going to be espousing the the benefits of it, and you're you're going to be talking about it and trying to educate people about it. So I'm keen mm -hmm. to know, like, how does it emerge um from Illuvium how do you see it shaping up uh, and do you think the Plato and experience will be like drastically different from what people might have already experienced at say Axie Infinity for example mm -hmm. yeah we we do so the the first thing is that play to earn is fantastic right it's it's a it's an awesome way to incentivize people to to play your game but at the end of the day there, the, that 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 uh, you know distribution 
of constantly being able to earn, you know, over and over and over and over again, and you can constantly breed more axes and, and then, you know, sell, sell those axes. At a certain point, when people stop funneling into the game, you're going to, to see that the floor price of those axes, because they can just continually be bred, go down you know, close to, to zero. And obviously not all axes are, are, are going to go down that, that way. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's still definitely going to be room for the, 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 the best axes that, that are out there and, and there'll still obviously be demand for it, but it, it sort of, it looks a little bit dangerous the, the way that it's shaping up right now in, in terms of, and, and that's why they've obviously introduced you know this this burning mechanic, or or they're talking about introducing this this burning mechanic because they've identified that at some point, you know, if if everyone continues to to breed these these axes, it's it's going to start having a, a, an impact on uh, the the bottom price of of the the lesser axes, and so with us, we have done it completely differently in in that we have a free to play element of the game and we do that again not so much for the the play to earn side of it we do it because we want people to be able to experience the game in its in its entirety and if they don't like it you haven't gone and invested you know a thousand bucks you've literally just invested an hour of your time which is very typical to a normal gaming scenario and so with us, the, how, how that works in and, and ties in with the play to earn aspects, you obviously, you can, you can get into the game and there's the ability for you to grind and grind and grind by traveling to our free regions, capturing, using the, the free shards that you can get. And we call these tier zero. So, so tier zero shards, tier zero regions. And you can you can go and collect tier zero alluvials and actually get to a point where we, we have a, a leveling system on all the alluvials. And so as you battle and, and, and win those battles, you, you end up earning experience for, for each alluvial and then they'll slowly level up. And so there's the ability for someone to grind their faces off for you know, 16 hours a day get their team up to a point where they can eventually either sell that tier zero on the marketplace. And, you know, it's a tier zero, it's, it's, they've done it for free. So it's not going to fetch a, a premium price, but it might be, you know, 30, $40 that, that then allows them to buy their first shard and allows them to, to travel to their first paid region which then gives them access to their tier one alluvials. And so there is the opportunity to play for free. And if you grind hard enough and, and long enough, then you're going to get to a stage where you can build up your team and, and eventually get to a point where it's like you put in a thousand dollars to start the game. There's also the ability to, to go in and, and chuck, you know, $10,000 at it from, from day one and you can go and, purchase the the strongest team and that's going to mean that you can go to the strongest regions and and collect other you know really rare and, and powerful alluvials 
but we want to give a choice to people. You know, it's it's it literally breaks my heart when I I post something on Twitter and I get like 50 DMs saying like, please, sir, can I have a scholarship? Can I have a scholarship? It kind of takes away from this whole, you know, opportunity that that exists here where, and, and I don't think we should be putting any barriers to entry for anyone around the world. You know, gaming should just be open to everyone. And, uh, and so that's, that's why we've, we've gone with our strategy. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, there is some conversation from the Axie team for like free starter Axies that allow you to like play the game and earn a little bit. But it, what you're describing is, is, is very different. There's one thing I wanted to clarify um, on sort of the um, different ways to earn in the game. Um, you know, before when we talked about um, land, you were saying that you need like these uh, resources to craft some of the in-game items, right? And um, are you going to be doing, like, can I collect those resources while playing the game? Are there going to be like in-game yes. drops of those? Okay, so that's also like a... Um... Yeah, so you go and like, there's, there's all sorts of different species of plants and um, mineral deposits and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, you can basically in, in the open, this is, this is the open world we're talking about, not the arenas, but you can go around and you can harvest those, those plants and you can mine for those resources. And then you take them back and you start building, uh, crafting the weapons that you want or uh, the enhancements, the skins and coupled with those resources is always what we you know you call it whatever you want but it's it's our in-game fee and part of that in-game fee you know usually it would just be prior to the land sale and and the idea of that mini game it was literally just 100 of that fee goes to the vault and then that's distributed out to to the stakeholders but in this case think about 10% of it going, so 90% goes to the vault and 10% goes to the landowners because you're buying their resources. And, and it's it's essentially um, the same as, as ETH. It's, 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 it's attached to law, so I, I can't actually explain it, otherwise I'm going to leak it. But um, essentially think of it like Ethereum. It, it costs you Ethereum in order to... to finish a, a, a shard or or an enhancement or a weapon or whatever and 10 percent of that will be coming now from the the land nearly got an alpha leak there very close <laughs> i was yeah i would get killed if I, I sometimes i i say the wrong thing and aaron's like dude like everything is out there now like you gotta <laughs> stop that i'm like it's hard man i don't I'm doing a lot of these interviews, so I'm glad I caught myself there. Yeah, I guess it's tough when you're excited about it. Um, okay, just to, to summarize a little bit on, on this bit, because I find this topic is like really interesting. Um, and with own, like very few games actually enabling play to earn, like it's still a very developing uh, narrative at the moment. So it sounds like you are pretty confident that the way that you've designed Alluvium from scratch means that um, it, it will negate the need for a scholarship model effectively uh, is that fair to say I, i'm <laughs> i'm hopeful i'm hopeful and the reason i say that is because it's not really up to me to deem when it's 
when someone can afford to play our game. Like if, if you might still, and the reason I say that is because you might still be looking at it, right? And I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of, of someone who's, you know, in, in one of these developing nations that goes, I've, I've heard about this, I want to play. And there's going to be people who are offering to, to give accounts to these people purely on the basis of their investors and they don't want to play. Now, the difference is, what is that agreement going to look like from the perspective of the, the player? Because in, in our instance, in the Axie model, it's like, do you have 1300 bucks? Because if you don't, you can't play. So you need a scholarship, right? That's, that's where it ends. Whereas with us, it's like, if you want to grind and you don't want to go through the scholarship route, then, you know, after a couple of weeks, maybe a month, you will be up to that $1,000 stage. And at that point, you don't require anyone's assistance, but you might be looking at that and going, well, a month is too long and I'm going to grind anyway. And so if someone just gives me that first initial leg up, think about it like, you know, boot, like bootstrapping a business or getting that first initial pre-seed investment or seed investment, it gives you that capital to, to then build on top of that. What and 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 I don't have any issues with with these guilds that that are uh, opening up and you know I I were partnered with YGG and you know I love how they've capitalized on on this situation. What I don't like is not giving the player that choice. That's what doesn't sit well with me. And so I can't definitively say that there's going to be no scholarships because these scholarships give the the ability for for people to supercharge their their play to earn but i certainly will be giving them the choice if that makes sense yep definitely that's that's totally fair and uh yeah i didn't mean to paint you into a corner there um i'll explain a little bit about like why i sort of put it that way is because me and ag are um drafting vm at the moment and you know, we had all these um, bits of info about like how the gameplay works, affinities, classes, etc. And I was just, I was just sort of thinking it through more broadly. And instead of writing all of that detail, I've, I've gone down the route of saying like, here are the player or player play to earn types that I think will emerge from Illuvium. And there's like the collector, somebody who just enjoys collecting and, you know, sells on the Illuvi decks, um, like their, their spare Illuvials, basically. The combatant, somebody who spends most of their time in the arena and they earn their, their living that way. Um, and now we've got like the, the resource farmer and the landowner and, <clears throat> excuse me, all, all of these good, um, like, player types that, that we see coming up. Whereas mm -hmm. what we've seen with, with Axie in their most recent change is in order to direct people away from pve to pvp they they made this certain change and suddenly the whole dynamic has shifted but that means like pretty much the majority of people have to make that shift whereas the difference i i'm seeing coming from alluvium is that it already offers like these very different ways to actually play to earn in the game and i think that's that's really cool um i, I think i'm not sure i've seen anybody talk about that yet but it's not like axi team makes a decision and then suddenly a, a huge herd of people like changes the way that they play the game. Mm -hmm. Illuvium offers different ways of playing from the very start. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> to be completely honest, the reason that that happened is just because Aaron and I couldn't decide on the the type of game that we wanted to to build in the very beginning. He was not about the collecting type, and and I'm 100% the collector, right? I'm the guy who's out there buying decks and decks and decks of Pokemon cards to try and get that one card that I'm missing. And so for me, that's what Alluvium is is going to be all about, going into that overworld, battling and collecting them all and getting all the holographics and all that kind of stuff. In Aaron's, uh, Aaron's point was I would rather, you know, screw the collecting. I don't want to waste time doing that. It's, it's boring to me. I would rather go and buy my characters that I think would, would make up a, a really good uh, strategy team. And then I'm just going to go straight into the arenas and start playing tournaments and I'll play to earn that way. Right. And, and, and that's it for him. And then you've got someone like Johnny, who's like, well, I like battling and I don't mind collecting even. And for context, Johnny is our CTO and, and has a, a ton of input and, and has since the beginning he was the one who wanted to come up with the city builder game. And so he's sitting there and he's like, well, screw all of you. I'm going with this city builder game and I'm probably going to happily sit in that game and, you know, earn my money by just, uh, you know, selling resources to the main game. And that's totally fine. I'm happy to do that. And so, yeah, you, uh, I'm actually... Surprise! You're the first person that's that's really brought up that distinction in, in what we're doing, and uh, yeah, it wasn't really a, like a something that we we were you know seeking to do. I guess it's just sort of naturally formed that way based on the the types of people we have in the DAO. Yeah, definitely. Maybe a little bit more luck than judgment, but it sounds like it's going to work out really nicely for you. Um, I mean, yeah, we're, we're obviously really excited to, to play the game. I think if we can touch on um, one last little topic around uh, community, and then and then I think we can probably um, look to wrap it up. But I'm interested in like the fact that you set out to uh, decentralize from the very start, um, and you know, working in the index co-op, we've obviously seen how how difficult it can be at times to. Um, align people with a vision and a goal and, and yeah. organize them and, and, and all of that good stuff. So yeah, just interested in your thoughts on like how that's going and, and what you see the risks are. Yeah, look, this is where having Kane as your brother comes in really, really handy, right? So he he's somewhat of a pioneer in the space of uh, in, in, in decentralizing protocols. He's a huge believer in going down first. For me, you know, I've run quite a few businesses before and, and being the founder of each of those businesses, it was weird to think, you know, we're just going to, and Aaron as well, you know, he, he was running his own, his own business and the thought of, you know, saying, hey, we're going to give basically uh, decision-making over to our customers is a little bit scary, right? But when we started looking into it it was just such a such a game changer in terms of how that the psychology of that community member or token holder or player whatever whatever they are if they're part of alluvium and they're in that community then they have the ability to steer the direction of our protocol and 
you know, things like this land game, I, I'm, I'm sitting here and in the normal business, I'd be like, land game, Aaron, do the GDD and send it over to me. Once we approve it, let's get a team on it and away we go. In this case, you know, one of the, I guess, the, the challenges is that we're sitting here and we, we have a very, very good feeling that it's going to be approved in, in you know, because we we it's a very thought out proposal that, that we've put together, but we can't go and start building this thing until we get approval because we don't want to get like three weeks down the, the track and then someone goes, oh, actually, no, we don't want a city builder game. We want a first person shooter game and somehow connect that to land. And then the council goes, yep, that's a good idea and, and approves it. And then we're stuck there, you know, building something that is never going to become a thing. You know, so that that's a pretty challenging thought. And, and especially when it comes down to, to a game, because there's so many decisions that require, uh, there, there's so many decisions to be made. But in, in our case, I think, we got lucky because a the the structure and the the way we set it up was very similar to synthetics, and likewise, you know, we touched on it earlier with Immutable X. Synthetics had just gone through all of their governance model. They they all the pain points that Kane had had experienced. He essentially said, "Don't do these things, and you'll avoid them," and so we we had you know really good people in our corner to to set up a, a good structure but as well we had a really you know well thought out plan to begin with and so it's almost like if you're a part of that community yes you have the ability to propose whatever the hell crazy ideas you want but most people have been very, very reasonable and have said, like, we're only going to propose something if it's an improvement on what the original white paper said that they were going to do. You know, so we've had probably 12 IIPs that have been written now. And uh, I think everyone but one has, has been approved. And, yeah, it's been quite smooth sailing for us. I'm not ruling out the the fact that you know we could run into issues in in the future and you know that's always possible with with going with a decentralized model but i certainly would be saying to anyone who's looking to to jump into a, a new project going decentralized that the power that you lose is gained back in the in 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 the i guess the loyalty that that community then gives you. And, uh, and so you're, you're far better off in the end. Well, that's a yeah, very positive reflection on the, the Alluvium community there. I think that's, that's fantastic to hear, to be honest. Um, without, the, without having launched a game yet, obviously you don't have any on-chain data to look at really, but I was interested in, do you keep an eye on like how that, that community balance is, is um, like progressing through like do you take any measurements on like the engagement you get on governance posts or, or, or are you just kind of getting a feel for it and do you have a yardstick for like um, DAO engagement or um, number of community members like I, I noticed mm -hmm. you've got a, a counter for how many discord uh, members you've got and you're up to something like 65k at the mm -hmm. moment which is absolutely massive yeah so ju just wondered how you sort of keep an eye on all of that 
Yeah, so it, it's actually, it's, it's a little bit crazy, right? Because the, for the first time in my life, I have pitched something that is like, as, as in, I, I said, this is where I think we need to be. And, you know, I was pulling out figures like if we can get to 20,000 Discord members by the end of 2021, then we're in a great spot. And, you know, the, the issue is that NFTs have blown up so hard and, and other games like Axie have, have been doing so well that the numbers that I originally pitched investors, like going back six months ago, they were dwarfed within like the first six weeks of us launching the token. And so obviously we recalibrate and, and uh, a, a big measurement of that is, is how Axie is doing. And we try and stay anchored to them as much as possible in terms of, you know, if, there's an, uh, if they have an uptick, we expect to, to have an uptick. If they have a, a big surge in Discord users, we expect to have a, a, a surge. And if we're doing things right, we want to be, you know, positioned as, as uh, you know, the, the, the guys who are here and, 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 and doing things well and, and watching what everyone else is doing that, that already has that first mover advantage. But in the back of people's minds, they always think, well, when Alluvium launches, they are going to, you know, be just that little bit extra in terms of, you know, gameplay, graphics and, and all of the above. And so, you know, it's it's not something that I even want to really put a target on now because I'm ex- I, I still think that we're at the very, very, very start of uh, of of the mountain here. And, and you know, like DeFi blew up last year, I think there's so much more potential that I'm I'm almost reluctant to say, okay, guys, let's hit five million in in terms of our like registered users. I think we've got like 150,000 now um, or, or just under because in six months time, we might be looking at a stage where I'm like, okay, well, we hit that in, in two months, you know, just purely because we're in such a hyper growth cycle. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but um, that's, that's sort of the way that we look at it. I remember um, I listened to a podcast um, with you and Aaron and, um, in I think April, and you were talking about like, oh, it'd be great if we had fifty thousand users um, in in twelve months, <laughs> and and I was like sitting there chuckling a little bit. Um, so it's definitely like the the interest and in adoption has been um, exponential in the last three months or so. Um, just uh, shifting back a little bit to like decentralization, I had one question slash kind of thought. From sort of our experience, I guess, in, in, at IndexCoop and uh, with trying to organize a DAO, um, there are like two things that you guys did that I like wish that we did from the beginning. And because it's like much easier to actually do in the beginning, and then it sets like the right fundamentals. Um, so one, in my mind, is like the, uh, the council model, um, which... I think works really well in terms of like people being elected by the community every three months or so. And mm-hmm. there's this like continued, right? Like show of trust in the elected body, right? So I think that's like mm-hmm. extremely important as community sort of develops. 
Um, and the second one was uh, quadratic voting, right? I think that on top of like, yeah, okay, we can, you as, as a community member can elect someone to the council that's going to represent you. But then with quadratic voting, if you have a small stake, it's magnified, right? So you actually have more um, power in, in token-based voting. So in my mind, like those are the two things that are like crucial. Um, mm -hmm. Would you agree with that statement? Or are there any other things that you see that you guys did that were like big in terms of like structuring the community and, and decentralizing and aligning everyone? Well, look, in order to actually, it's, I totally agree with you, but there's, you actually have to go back, you have to go a little bit deeper and go, how did we actually put together the council? Like what, what actually happened there in order for, for people to be able to elect the council? And we didn't have a token, right? And so people are like, how do I go DAO first if, we don't have a token, like people can't vote, you know, that you need to literally on, you need to do on-chain voting, which requires a token. And so Kane came out with this, came up with this genius idea to do pre-ILV. And he was like, send 10,000 pre-ILV to your community members. And uh, not only will you get a bunch of people joining Discord to, to chase that airdrop, but they will be your base level and, and your base community of, uh, of people who then nominate who they want to, to represent them in, in the council, like, like you're talking about. But that was the, the key thing that we did. We, we literally were able to go DAO first, like, and I mean like actually DAO first, like people out there are like, oh yeah, we're a DAO and it's like six months on and, and you look at their mechanics behind and you're like, mm, not really. Like you're not actually a, a DAO first. You know, you migrated into that and, and there's a clear path of, of seeing that happen. With us, we literally said, okay, I, you know, I think we'd, we'd been up for like a month or whatever and we had, we'd done basically nothing apart from the, the white paper and we said to these people, you're going to form the, the first council. We're literally dropping, you know, you've showed your interest in that you've joined our Discord, but take this pre-ILV. And that airdrop ended up being like 2000 bucks or whatever at, at today's prices. And, um, and so, yeah, you, we, it, was, it was that critical step that actually allowed us to implement that. And then you know, the, the, the council has been pivotal in, in our growth because you don't have a situation, like we were thinking about um, essentially uh, deprecating the, the council and, and going back to anyone can have a vote on any proposal that comes through if you're a token holder. But the problem is in the community discussion, you just get too much back and forth and there's too many people that have different ideas and whatever whereas once you elect someone you've sort of the the psychology behind that is they're representing me now so you don't really need to to sit there and you know you might need to have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with that guy and just make sure that he's still aligned with you or, or her and uh but 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 all intents and purposes, you, you, the hands of, of your ideas and, and where you want the protocol to go, uh, it, it, it goes into that person's hands. 
And, um, and so, yeah, it makes it really easy for decisions to be made and critical decisions at that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very important factor. Well, Kieran, I've got to say, um, one of the big privileges we have running the Metaverse Index is that we get to like investigate and learn about these projects uh, early on. And it, yeah, it's been a real sort of pleasure having you on and like diving more deeply into Alluvium over the last few months, learning about it. It's, it's amazing that the fact that you haven't launched yet, we still, I think me and EG feel a little bit like we're still late to the party because you've, so, you've had so much going on since like earlier on in the year. Um, but we're both super excited to yeah to see this launch. Uh, we've both been looking at um, gaming computers this week because we specifically want to get get ready for Alluvium. So uh, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for coming on. Um, and if you just want to let people know like how they can learn more about either you or Alluvium. Yeah, sure. So the the best place to go to is our Discord. That's where we, we do a lot of community building exercises over there. Like uh, we, we've got a cosplay partnerships that, that we do with other protocols all the time. And uh, to, to gain access to that, you just need to be part of the Discord. So definitely do that. Also um, follow us on Twitter. We, we're always putting you know, different, different news updates on, on there. We do have a telegram if, if you must, but, uh, and, and thankfully we have a really, really good uh, telegram mod who, who helps us out. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're the three main areas that, that I would send people to, to learn more about Alluvium. Awesome. And I'd recommend um, Kieran's personal Twitter as well. It's always good for a, for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't recommend that one, but uh, sometimes you get alpha, sometimes you get garbage, sometimes <laughs> you mix of both. But uh, yeah, look, it's been awesome talking to you guys. I, I love that you guys have such uh, easy access to, to these projects and, and it ensures that you have the most up-to-date info and so I'll, I'm definitely a, a big believer in what you guys are doing. It makes it so easy for people who, who look at crypto, especially, you know, newbies who are coming in and they're like, where do I go here? I want to invest in one of these games, but I just have no idea. You guys do the DD for them and you make it so easy for someone to be able to come in and just go, I'm going to buy that token and, you know, it's you you've, you've shown with your uh, performance you know especially in in the last couple of months that they're they're in good hands so i love what you guys are doing and, and i'd be happy to come back on or, or bring aaron on or or whatever in, in the future yeah absolutely i really appreciate it thanks for coming on today appreciate okay. your time man no worries